Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Hope you're all well. Rory here with you on the Big Red Bench until 7 o'clock tonight. Thank you for joining us on Corex Red FM. A very busy hour of sport coming your way as we look ahead to Cork and Walford in Corex Monster Championship opener tomorrow. The expert opinion of the Echoes, Dennis Hurley. And we're here from Corex selector Donald O'Mahony as well. We are going to look back on defeat for Corex City against Shelburne. We heard briefly from our Corex City boss, Colin Healy. Going to look at the day action in the Azerbaijan GP. A change of format for qualifying. We'll talk to our expert Sarah McKenzie Foley about that in a little while. And we have an in-depth conversation with Coach of the Year, Mr. Kieran O'Sullivan of Emporium Cork Basketball. About an incredible year for the club. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Absolutely delighted you could join us on the Big Red Bench. Let's look back and everything that's been happening today. Leinster remaining on course for a fifth Heineken Champions Cup title. Leo Collins side beating Toulouse 41-22 in their semi-final at the Aviva Stadium today. The Irish province scoring five tries. Jack Conan crossed over twice. Defending champions La Rochelle or Exeter awaiting in the decider in Dublin on May 20th. They go head to head uh, tomorrow. Ireland are bottom of the standings ahead of their final match in the Women's Six Nations this evening. Greg McWilliams side looking for their first win. They play Scotland from half seven in Edinburgh. England sealed the Grand Slam earlier. They had a 38-33 win over France at Twickenham in front of a packed house. Nearly 60,000 people there. And uh, Wales running out their campaign uh, with a 36-10 win away to Italy in football. I'm going to wrap up today's Premier League action. We'll start with a big win for Brighton today. And uh, Alan Lewis looked back on that one. Brighton 6, Wolves nil. as dominant a performance as you're likely to see. Dennis Undav started the scoring in the first half, quickly followed by two for Pascal Grosch and a Danny Welbeck header. The goals continue to flow after the break. Both Welbeck and Undav got their second of the afternoon. Brighton very impressive, but Wolves didn't do themselves any favours with some shoddy defending. European football very much a possibility for Brighton, with games in hand on those above them. A performance the fans will remember for quite some time it's finished Brighton 6 Wolves nil. huge result there for Brighton Evan Ferguson didn't play today because of an ankle injury that he's nursing elsewhere today uh, Brentford had a 2-1 win over Nottingham Forest Kat Suave reporting it's finished Brentford 2 Nottingham Forest 1 the hosts came from 1-0 down to claim all three points here in West London in the dying stages of the match De Silva managed to add to an effort from Ivan Tony to go ahead of Forest but the visitors went ahead just on the stroke of half time thanks to Danilo but have nothing to show for it at the end of the day this result could prove crucial in the relegation battle Forest remain in 17th in the Premier League table just one point above the drop zone Brentford 2 Nottingham Forest 1 plenty of goals in the early kickoff as well Mike Lawrence Crystal Palace 4 West Ham 3 a goal fest in the South London sunshine as the Roy Hodgson Renaissance continues securing Crystal Palace's Premier League status for another season but they were made to sweat a bit after Nayef Agards headed home West Ham's third a trio of goals they score from corners today West Ham manager David Moyes will be scratching his head at some of the defending he's seen this afternoon they're not quite safe yet Crystal Palace 4 West Ham 3 
Yeah, really entertaining game there in the early kickoff this afternoon. Uh, elsewhere, uh, the Women's National League, Cork City hosting Bohemians today, and it is both leading by a goal to nil into the second half there at Turner's Cross. Just uh, one more rugby result as well the Energy All Ireland League uh, Division 2C playoff. Middleton facing Richmond today, and Middleton uh, winning 29 17. Gaelic Games, the All Ireland Champions Limerick continuing their Munster Championship campaign this evening as they take on Clare at the Gaelic Ground underway in less than an hour Jonathan Higgins is there for us After a frustrating defeat to Tipperary last week things don't get any easier for Clare who faced the daunting task of playing the reigning All-Ireland Champions Limerick in round two of the Monster Hurling Championship Throw in home advantage and a wounded animal perception for Limerick who were hard-fought victories over Waterford in round one and this is undoubtedly an uphill task for the banner John Kiley who was extremely outspoken after that victory makes one change to his side with Carl O'Neill replacing Garrett Hegarty. Hegarty, who was sent off last week, is named on the bench. Team captain Declan Hannan is named to start, despite coming off in the first half of that victory in Thurles. Brian Lowen makes two changes. Eamon Foody, who struggled in his championship debut, is replaced by the experienced Eva Quilligan. The other change sees David Fitzgerald returning from suspension to replace Ryan Taylor. The sides played out a thriller in last year's Munster final. Expect more fireworks today. Throw-in at the TUS Gaelic Grounds is at 7pm. Yeah, that should be an absolute cracker, of course. Cork and Waterford tomorrow. We'll look ahead to that one very, very shortly indeed. Uh, elsewhere, two games just underway in the Leinster Championship. It's Wexford playing host to Antrim. Dublin in action against Westmeath. Heading into the second half in the Ulster Football semi-final. Uh, Derry the holders uh, leading Monaghan 112-215. That game being played in Oma today. Elsewhere in Snooker, what a performance. Luca Purcell, round of applause. This was absolutely sensational. He was 14 5 down against CJ Wee. Um, first to 17 advances. He comes back to win 17 15. Absolutely incredible. One of the greatest comebacks in Snooker history. He is in the final. It was breathtaking stuff. Um, Absolutely magic stuff from the Belgian. Uh, he's going to play either Mark Selby or Mark Allen in the decider. Uh, they resume this evening. Selby leading by 11 frames to 10. Their session, yes, this Stephen Hendry was massively critical of it. Did not enjoy it. Said it was poor snooker, poor quality. Um, but it doesn't matter really what he thinks once one of them gets into the final I don't think they'll care what he thinks I should say uh, so it's Selby leading 11-10 there against uh, Mark Allen um, and in racing some more grade 1 success uh, for Willie Mullins on the final day of the Pontchestown Festival Townland Paul Townland on board to guide Echoes and Rain to victory in the Mayor's Champion Hurdle also combining in the Champion 4-year-old Hurdy Lossy Mouth holding off Zarek the Brave Alright, we are going to start the show by looking ahead to Cork and Waterford tomorrow it should be uh, an absolute cracking game down in Porky Quay, 4 o'clock the start time for that one, we will of course have reaction on the Big Red Bench tomorrow evening from 6pm, so please uh, tune back in for that we are going to start the show by hearing from um, the Evening Echoes, Dennis Hurley the Echoes Dennis Hurley as I should say hasn't been uh, published in the evening for a while so the Echoes Dennis Hurley uh, was speaking to Aidan about the game about Cork's prospects and Waterford's performance against Limerick plenty more besides as well uh, ahead of tomorrow's game Alright Dennis Hurley of the Echo joins me to look ahead to Cork versus Waterford in the Munster Hurling Championship tomorrow uh, Dennis first of all thanks a minute for joining us on the show Hi Aidan thanks for having me I suppose first of all where are Cork heading into this? Is it fair to say you wouldn't know what sort of performance you're going to get tomorrow? 
Yeah, I suppose it is. You know, it's been five weeks since they, they played Kilkenny in the league semi-final um, and until the team was named on Thursday night. Nobody knew what starting 15 would be, um, which probably points to the fact that Cork used so many players during the league and that they had so many injuries and kind of weren't sure who was going to be back, who was going to be fully fit, who was, you know, only going to be able to be used off the bench. So that uncertainty would feed into the uncertainty around the, the level of expectation. Um, Cork had a good league, obviously. You know, they, they were unbeaten in the, the five-round Robin games before losing the semi-final to Kilkenny. But last year they got to the league final and then lost their first two championship matches so you're almost thinking that the league wasn't a good barometer, especially when Waterford won the league last year and then ended up being eliminated. But I think I think definitely the management would have taken a lot from the league and taken a lot of positives, um, you know, a lot to build on, and that they got game time into a lot of guys. Like if you look at the the bench for for Sunday's game, um, there's a lot of fellas in line to make their their championship debuts. You know, having had good leagues and and being rewarded. With places in the match day squad, the the team itself. There's only two guys um, who haven't started a championship match before, so there is there is a, a kind of good level of experience. But um, you know, there's just that level of uncertainty, especially with the fact that that Waterford played last week and, and put up a good showing against Limerick. You know, will they have taken heart from that, or will the effort in pushing Limerick so close have taken that out of them? and kind of maybe left them a bit deflated, in which case it could stand to Cork that they're coming in fresh, um, having had the chance to, to see Waterford last week. Yeah, I think it's, it's Tommy O'Connell, isn't it, and Brian Roach making their uh, first starts in Championship. Yeah, yeah, they, they both appeared as subs before in the Championship, but the other 13 players have all started in Championship. Yeah, and as well for Pat Ryan, it's a big day for him, first Championship match as senior manager, and uh, he'll be looking to mark that uh, with, with a win as well. Ash, of course, uh, and uh, I, I, I don't think Pat would be phased by that kind of thing, you know, especially given that he had success as under twenty manager and with Sarsfields at club level. The important thing is to get a win because it's a home game and because you have Tipperary coming to Parkview six days later. So, you know, we we saw last year how a, a, a slow start, a slow start can put you behind the eight ball a bit. Um, you know, it it really reduces the margin for error. And when they when they are two home games to start off with like that and so close together, Cork, I suppose, have um, considerations in terms of team selection, things like that. Uh, and you know, um, we'd say maybe someone like Shane Kingston now, who, who was named on the bench tomorrow because he was coming back from a hamstring injury. They're probably looking at the tip game in terms of not risking him from the start tomorrow. So obviously, the Waterford game is the whole focus, but. You are having to kind of keep the tip match in the back of your head as well, especially given the tip are so impressive against Clare. How big of a boost is Dara Fitzgibbon coming back into the team? Like such a massive part of Cork in, in midfield over the last couple of years. Like Pat must be really happy he's back in and fit to go. Yeah, absolutely. Like he 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 gives Cork a kind of a a dimension, I suppose that that few others in the panel can give. Like his driving runs from midfield. Like he's you know he's capable of. He, he can score the odd goal, but he can pop up with three or four points and he just has such a fierce engine on him. Like, you know, it's um it's very important to have his his work right there. Um and just to give a bit of experience, especially alongside Brian Roach, who has been rewarded for for his good league um and is making a step up now to championship, it'll it'll very benefit him that he's alongside someone like Dara.
You mentioned us, Shane Kingston's coming back from a bit of an injury. He starts from the bench. Um, Patrick Horgan named at full forward and plenty of talent as well on the bench in the forward line. Like That is a real area of strength, isn't it? That, that attack for Cork. And we saw it in the league as well. So many different combinations in that six uh, in the attack. And that's a real strength for Pat. Yeah, that, that's it. And I think what should hopefully stand to them is the fact that there's so many different kinds of options that, you know, you have Brian Hayes who, who can come in and, and give you something on the edge of the square. Shane Barrett, Robbie O'Flynn, you know, they, 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 that, that's, that's what you're looking for nowadays. Something, you know, to have a plan B or a plan C to throw at the opposition. And I think that, that's definitely something Cork were, were looking to work towards and hopefully it will, um, it will, it will prove to be the case. You mentioned Waterford. They were impressive uh, against Limerick. I think they impressed a lot of people, actually. Uh, I had them written off after about 10 minutes. I thought the game was over, to be honest. They did quite well. and Yeah, I think a lot of people did. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and obviously as well, Davy Fitz, you know, I suppose he's a bit of a... He he can be a bit of a genius. Can he's a bit of a flawed genius, I suppose, at times as well. Like you said, having that those sort of options against him is really good as well because he could come up with something on Sunday that can can throw things out of kilter, can't it? Like he, yeah, yeah. Like it, it it's strange. Like David Fitz has won the monster title as a manager, and he's won another Ireland title as a manager, and he's still he's still almost underestimated, or he's kind of you know, mischaracterized kind of, you know, as a, a, a caricature when he is a top quality coach. Like, he, he won the Fitzgibbon Cup as well, um, you know, with, 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 with LIT. So he, um, he, he, he knows, you know, he knows how to get the best out of a team. Um, like, sure, when he went to Waterford the first time in 2008, he got them to an All-Ireland final when they looked to be in a bit of a mess. Like, and he, he showed that last week that, you know, he was able to set up a team to, to run Limerick close. Obviously, they didn't win, but few few teams do against Limerick. I think the big the big thing for Waterford is the fact now that Ty DeBork is out. You know, he he's such an important player for them and in, in terms of, of the system they play and everything like that. And he's such a leadership figure. Um, and to, to lose him like that, um, you know, is definitely going to be a blow because it'll mean, it'll mean a rejigging of things. Um, but but like you say, Davy will will he'll have had a plan for Limerick, and I'd be very surprised if he didn't have a plan for Cork, you know, to to to, to try to nullify their strengths. So I suppose it, it's how how that plan is able to cater for the absence of of Tyke de Burke will will go a long way to determining how well he's able to to kind of um, to limit Cork's effectiveness. Yeah, he's a, a Leinster title as well to his name uh, as Davy Fitz. It's certainly uh, going to be, he's picked up the big tree, like it's certainly going to be an uh, interesting one uh, tomorrow. I'll push you just before we go, Dennis, for a prediction, obviously, I suppose. Um, <laughs> your heart's going to say one thing, is your head going to say another thing? I No, I, I think I, I think Cork will, will edge it, um, just home advantage and maybe just that bit of freshness and Waterford, you know, coming off the back of of the Limerick game and especially without the Burke I think they, they might they might struggle to kind of to put up the same kind of performance I, th- that could be totally wrong but um, I I think that that's the way it'll, it'll bear out 
Well, hopefully it'll be a Cork victory. Dennis Hurley, thanks a minute for joining us on the Bigger Bench. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, it was great hearing from uh, Dennis Hurley there. Uh, and uh, Dennis looking ahead to tomorrow's clash with Waterford in Porky Quay for four o'clock start for that one should be an absolute cracker let's hear from uh, Donald Manning now the Cork selector he was in conversation with Aidan a while back uh, at the launch of the Munster Championships a couple of weeks ago let's hear briefly what Donald has to say Red Bench here is Cork hurling selector Donald Manning alright Donald Manning you spoke last week about how Cork test themselves or you know rate themselves almost against Kilkenny in the past so considering the game then how, how do you assess Cork now after that after that defeat we'd be happy enough you know it's very easy to be negative about it that we went up and we got beaten Um but like I was saying previous to the game there was two metrics that we were looking for the league one was building depth in the squad and two was tested characters and we got a tested character you we were away from home and we had a man sent off and like he went up to seven points we were down to one stage and we could have folded and they could have beaten us well and we brought him back down to three points uh, which showed that we had character so I'd be focusing the positives yeah we lost the game that's always disappointing as a car hurling person you want to win every game you play but the fact that we showed a bit of character when things were going against us when they got the penalty and we demanded and off um, I think we set up the, the test of character so uh, when we were beaten we still positive to be taken out of it Yeah you mentioned your, your aims for the league and obviously everybody said you know Cork need to find players I suppose everyone says that they need to find players every team but um, like you know you're looking for players that can make obviously younger players that are going to come through for the future but players that can make that difference as well in the heat of battle come championship so do you feel you have found those two or three guys that, that will add in come you know the white heat let's say in the middle of those championship games Absolutely I think the two key metrics that I thought about was building depth and the test of character and I think they're both aligned with each other um, and I think like we had lots of tests of character like in our first game down here on a Saturday night we played the All-Ireland Champions we were 6 or 7 points down at half time and we came out to the right side of that result uh, everybody knows going to Atten Roy or Salt Hill isn't an easy place to go to face Galway performed really well up there um, again Wexford down here didn't play well we're down a good few points going into the middle of the second half and came out the right uh, in that result and Clare over the years has been a very difficult venue for Cork to go to like it was easy to hit there was nothing riding in the game we went up and we said let's see how we're going here and it was a, a desperately bad day and uh, again two points down going down the stretch we came back and we drew the game when you consider the amount of players we were missing for the league we found that massively beneficial so to answer your question specifically have we felt as I will stand the test of character in the championship we feel we've found a few doors over the, champ- over the league yeah. Cork they, they, they put up a, a lot of high scores and like that you mentioned you know even the Galway game and even the one here against Limerick you know uh, goals as well which were crucial like it, it seems now there's there's so many forwards and so many so much talent in that area how difficult or is it difficult to then try and get maybe you know that unit of that six or nine let's say to gel together you know the three guys that might come off the bench and make the difference as well how do you kind of get that unit together and, and to perform consistently very good question uh, it's difficult there's lots of ways of looking at it like do you start with your best six forwards or do you finish with your best six forwards and I think like for a number of years everybody knows Cork will always have good forwards and maybe that's the rock that we've perched and we've always had good forwards we're capable of scoring but maybe it's the other metrics that we're falling down in uh, the tackling the chasing the runners off the shoulder to getting the ball back when we don't have it and they're the types of things that we're looking at and we have improved we feel significantly on those and we're complementing that with the scores that we're getting so like particularly the Galway game in Salton we showed that we'll always put up a big score um, but we feel that we've really improved on other metrics that we want to see from our forwards and I think we brought that forward over the last few years with the 20s as well the lads know what we expect we know they know the uh, characteristics we'll be picking the forwards on so it's not simply on your ability to score there's other metrics we're looking at as 
well. Obviously, you're not total strangers to, to the players. Like you've probably all worked with every single one of them at some stage. Maybe there's one or two where you haven't. But how important is building that trust between, like, let's say, you and the players, and the players and yourselves as well? And how have you done that so far? That's interesting. Like that's the key word in the camp: trust. And uh, as we said to the lads, we can't give it to them. Uh, they can't give it to us. You've done it, and I think you earn it by just working really hard, being very honest in what you do, uh, and awareness like that. It's going to be tough decisions predicting over the next few weeks when you're picking squads, you're picking teams for championships. Fellas have been training all year long, going to be really disappointed. But if you have that trust underpinning what you're doing, I think fellas will abide by it. And um, so, like the lads have built trust with us because they delivered in difficult situations, which we just talked about above in Galway in the Limerick game down here. Hopefully, we've built the lads' trust by doing exactly what we said we would do, and we'll give them the jersey to fellas that produce and train and choose them Thursday night, as opposed to the same fellas all the time. So I think we're building trust, and it's a very important value in our camp at the moment. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff there from Don Lomani looking ahead uh, to Cork's year in their championship after uh, the uh, their league campaign. So tomorrow, four o'clock start time in Porky Cueve and uh, we'll have reaction from that game and indeed the Camogie game beforehand as well on the Big Red Bench tomorrow evening from 6pm. So be sure and join us for that. Should be a big crowd down in the park tomorrow as well. Hopefully the weather improves a little bit. Someone had told me earlier in the week that it was going to be absolutely glorious all weekend. It has not been absolutely glorious all weekend. Not even remotely. So that person was lying to me. Thanks very much indeed for that. All right, we're going to talk motorsport. Uh, Formula One is back after a gap of four weeks. The Azerbaijan uh, GP is back. uh, Welcomes Formula One back, I should say. And it's got a new qualifying format, which is a little bit complicated and... uh, find out more about it I spoke to our F1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley you can hear Sarah uh, every week on the Women in Sport podcast with Ger McCarthy which uh, goes out live on redfm.ie at noon on Thursday so this is my chat earlier on today with Sarah McKenzie Foley about today's uh, Sprint GP and tomorrow's race Alright Formula 1 is back and that means our good friend our F1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley is back Sarah must have been like Christmas Day for you today with Formula 1 coming back was it? <laughs> Absolutely, a new format and everything. So uh, we have to really be concentrating. <laughs> yeah, and why? Like, it's been four weeks since the last um, race. Why was the Why was the break that long? I mean, like the season has just started, and then they go into a four week break. It seems a bit counterintuitive. Yeah, so China was actually was the race that was supposed to happen in between Australia and Azerbaijan, mm. but they decided that that it wasn't going to happen again this year. So it obviously hasn't happened since pre-COVID. Yeah. So I think possibly next year we'll get it back. Whether it'll be the same time in the calendar is TBD, but that was the reason for the break. Yeah, it is a bit frustrating, right? As I said, the season has just started, the hype is there, and then all of a sudden there's four weeks of silence. It's kind mm. of frustrating, I suppose, uh, watching on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's sort of weird, as you say, to have it that early because they're sort of just getting into their stride and then it's sort of cut off. And interestingly, because of the new format, you actually saw them quite rusty mm. yesterday. Um, obviously, they're only down to one practice session now before they jump into qualifying in this new sprint weekend format. But there were a lot of mistakes made. And it was just interesting to see that. I mean, I suppose we all, happens to us all if we go on a long holiday and you come back. But I think <laughs> it's uh, it was definitely evident uh, yesterday for sure. Talk to us about the new format, Sarah, and what it entails, because it seems fairly complicated on paper. How was it when you were watching it today? 
Yeah, interestingly, it came out a bit samey in reality. So there's just one free practice session now for 60 minutes on a Friday, after which qualifying happens, which normally would happen on a Saturday. Mm. So now you have essentially the, the starting grid for the race on Sunday being decided two days ahead of time. So then we have a sprint Saturday, which is a sprint shootout, which actually came off a lot like just a second qualifying because it's still three parts. You still drop a certain number of drivers per segment. And it got slightly more interesting because they introduced specific tire compounds and things like that. But the sprint itself then happened after. And to be honest, it was fairly uneventful. So I think it'll be interesting to see now what happens in the race because typically Baku being a very tight street circuit, Mm. it does have quite a bit of action. So I think hopefully a bit more entertainment tomorrow than what we saw today. Yeah, I suppose was the new formula, I suppose, designed, I suppose, to, to make qualifying a little bit more exciting? Was that the ultimate aim of it? I think it's just really challenging the drivers to do more with less time. You know, I mean, we Mm. previously had three free practice sessions and they're down to one just of 60 minutes, which is, you know, especially if you're a rookie or, you know, someone who hasn't driven a particular track before, that's a pretty short amount of time to get yourself really feeling confident. So I think it's, it's an interesting change. I was very against it when they first announced it. I think I'm sort of still not it has improved its entertainment value for me just yet but we'll see i think it very much depends on the track as well i don't know mm. if baku was necessarily the best place to um to try it out there was a bit of uh, drama though in the sprint uh, sergio perez taking overtaking charles leclerc right at the end which was a very exciting finish i suppose to him yeah i think you know leclerc had looked very very strong for over the the two days of the weekend so far and it was interesting to see Perez sort of breeze past him with DRS and then Charles immediately got DRS but was unable to to kind of get that place back. So my concern there for Ferrari fans would be that even with the DRS, Charles just doesn't have the pace in the car versus the raw pace of the Red Bull to actually get places back, which for him in a Grand Prix setting puts an awful lot of pressure on him because that means the track position is the absolute paramount thing and he just has to stay in front of both Red Bulls which as we know from their dominance already this season that's that's no mean feat Yeah it's going to be tough to hold both of them off when uh, the checker or the, the flag or the lights go off tomorrow I guess for him mm-hmm. Yeah absolutely and I think again like I say Baku does tend to have you know virtual safety cars full safety cars there tends to be a bit of a stop start situation happening and it is so tricky to overtake because of the lack of space. So I think absolutely track position is going to be massive for him. So, you know, it's pressure on him, but it's also pressure on the Ferrari strategists to make sure that the pit stops and everything like that are just absolutely on point. Because if they're not, you know, he really can't afford any mistakes tomorrow, I don't think. Yeah. What are you expecting from the race tomorrow, Sarah? I think, I think unfortunately, we may see the fact that there's two Red Bulls up there at the top versus one really strong Ferrari, I I don't think that Leclerc is going to be able to fend them off on his own. Now, if Carlos Sainz can pull his boots up and and kind of help him out, maybe that Mm. will will ease the pain a little bit. But we haven't seen that at all from Sainz so far this weekend. You know, he's been as much as half a second off the pace. So I think for whatever reason, he's just not 
with it really this weekend. And I think if Leclerc is going to to pull this off, I think he's going to have to, him and his strategists and, and his race engineer are going to have to kind of do it on their own. Yeah, talk to us about Lewis Hamilton finished seventh in the sprint race today. Um, I mean, look, it's I suppose been a tougher start to the season for him, and mm. he's just off pace, off the pace. I suppose uh, that's required. Yeah, I think he the lack of pace in the sprint is interesting because the top six once the the original start and then the restart happened, they sort of just neutralized each other. And I I do wonder, and this was one of my big concerns about the sprint format the new sprint format, I should say, how much risk are you willing to take on a Saturday in the sprint race when really mm. the, you know, the, the business end of things happens on the Sunday? So I, I do wonder, I did find it strange that sort of none of them were necessarily pushing as much as you would see them when they're when they're kind of more in peak competition mode. So I think I'm not overly concerned. I think he's got an opportunity to to maybe make up a couple of places. I wouldn't say there's there's a podium necessarily on the cards unless unless there's a real surprise. But I think one thing that has helped the Mercedes this weekend is that both Aston Martins have struggled mm-hmm. to get their DRS working properly. So I think that that is kind of it's neutralizing the threat from them a little bit because they typically would be a lot stronger and a lot faster than they have been this weekend. And hopefully it'll be an exciting race tomorrow. We look forward to review your review on the Big Red Bench tomorrow evening, Sarah. But for now, thanks very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Absolutely. Thanks a million. Always great to hear from Sarah McKenzie Foley there, our F1 expert and uh, F1 back after a gap of four weeks and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix tomorrow. And Sarah will be on with Aiden tomorrow to uh, review all the action. And there we're going to take a when we come back we're talking to Kieran O'Sullivan about an epic epic season for Emporium Corp Aspel Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie The Big Red Bench Rory here with you on the bench until 7pm uh, let's look briefly back on Cork City's defeat uh, to Shelburne last night uh, disappointing night for Cork City again their third consecutive defeat and they go up against the uh, league leader Bohemians at uh, Damon Park on Monday evening I'm going to hear briefly from uh, Colin Healy speaking after last night's game joined now by Cork City manager Colin Healy following a 2-1 defeat at Tolga Park Colin tough one to take how would you assess that one? Um, yeah, no, it is. It's, listen, it's another defeat. Um, I've talked in the first half, I thought we were very good. We had a lot of chances. Um, uh, I suppose when we were on top, you know, we, we didn't punish them. And then probably in the, in the, in the second half, you know, we, we conceded early, and it's, it's a sloppy goal from our point of view. And then obviously there's um, the, the second one is, is a sloppy one as well. You know, we need to do better like that. Listen, it's great that Joe gets to pull one back, like, but it's. it's in, they don't have they don't have to work hard for the goals like do you know so, mm. so yeah. Rory Keane very impressive in the game is it about maybe unlocking him more in games and trying to get him in more scoring positions yeah Rory Keane yeah, yeah I'm listening, I think we got in good score. I don't think he was the only one who wasn't in good scoring positions but I think when, when we get in there um, for the chances that we have you know listen don't, don't get me wrong Conor Cairns put off some very very good saves mm. and listen he's a very good keeper you know so um, listen you score when you're top it's a different game but we didn't mm. 
away now to Bowes on Monday evening another tough game um, how do you go about preparing for that? Yeah, listen we got we to we it's difficult at the moment we got to regroup and um, we got we to stick together as I said um, yeah it's uh, difficult again tonight but listen we got a tough game now again uh, Monday so we'll come back in tomorrow we need to, we need to, we need to get, get, get ourselves ready and um, yeah listen there's tough games every week in this league and you know so it's um, at the moment it's difficult but um, you know as I said listen the performance first half thought we were very good second half Shells put a small bit of pressure on us and we probably struggled a small bit you know um, so listen they were on top listen they, they, they scored and listen it's um, yeah it's another defeat for us that was Colin Healy on LOI TV afterwards I'll be back on LOI TV next Friday night at the cross when uh, City take on St. Pat's fingers crossed thinking the result it's going to be a tough ask against the leaders Bohemians uh, this coming Monday um, but look it's been a poor run of form for Cork City um, and Colin Healy in fairness steps up every time and says look we're trying um, he's not hiding away from it um, and says need to work harder um, I watched the game on LOI TV last night City were okay in part second half not so good I could see Joe O'Brien Whitmarsh uh, get his first goal for the club but have to go move on now Saints Pats next Friday but before that Bohemians this coming Monday so two huge games for Cork City as uh, they uh, are locked in a, a relegation battle with UCD at the moment so look fingers crossed they get a result against Bohemians uh, against uh, on Monday and then bring that into the St. Pat's game next Friday now to turn us across and hopefully get a big crowd for that one uh, right, um, we are going to talk basketball now and Kieran O'Sullivan, um, our old pal, is the head coach of Emporium Cork Basketball who had an incredible season, Super League Champions. It's just an incredible season considering uh, it was only their second year at this level. So congratulations indeed to them. Kieran was honoured um, by being named Basketball Ireland Coach of the Year as well and fully deserved as well. So Kieran uh, was delighted, joined me in studio earlier on this week uh, to talk about their incredible year. Uh, this is probably part one. And in fact, it is part one of our chat of the second part tomorrow. But this is part one of our chat with Kieran O'Sullivan. All right, delighted to be joined in studio by Kieran O'Sullivan of Emporium Cork Basketball, the champions. How does that sound, buddy? Champions? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an amazing couple of weeks. I suppose initially when we got the trophy and the final buzzer sounded, it's just euphoria and yeah. you're. Uh, I suppose you're being congratulated by everyone in the crowd and your teammates and that and you know you're celebrating for a couple of days and all that the usual stuff but I suppose it's only now in the last kind of yeah. week or so that the uh, it's kind of sunk in yeah. um, the, the kind of feet of where we've come come from the context of I suppose only going National League five years ago six years ago if you take out the Covid year uh, which we had no basketball and only our second year in the Super League it's kind of been an amazing journey really and it's really only sinking in now which is, which is mad yeah, I'm slow to use the word fairy tale, but I don't really have many other words to describe but it's been such a meteoric rise for you guys yeah it's it's been incredible really I suppose we would have been a very well respected club from an underage point of view uh, a couple of very strong teams coming through over the years but we would have been essentially a feeder club um, mm. especially over the last the last decade and yeah, when you when you put it into a time context of of six years ago, seven years ago, now we were playing up to Parochial Hall in mm. kind of the local leagues, and and in that time frame to go through the national league and then and into the top top of the super league, and that's such short space of time. It probably is you can see why people would say would use the word fairy tale, mm. all right, you know? Yeah. 
but um, like we had Coleman on a couple of months back and just talking about the, the work that's going on behind the scenes of the club the amount of work that has gone in to the club behind the scenes is phenomenal it's it's amazing it's amazing we have so many good people at the moment and I suppose that's I never really understood that success breeds success till I went into Blue Demons and you see the committees and working and then you win people want to be a part of that and it just grows and grows and grows and that's what's happening in, in Balancolic at the moment with Emporium um, and all sides of it coaches want to come and coach players want to come and play underage is getting stronger sponsors want to come on board it just everything mm. rises uh, at the same time and it, it is it is a credit to I suppose the committee and all the underage coaches for, for us to be able to put a, a quality team on the floor I suppose that can mm. that can compete and and, and has gone and won the Super League and the buzz around Balancholic just around your team was just incredible I mean like you were the talk of the town essentially yeah yeah, yeah it was, uh, it's, it's incredible when you see and hear just the different stories guys talking after the celebrations and walking through the village as we'd call it walking through the town up the town centre and a couple of the lads are, are in schools and they're teaching and they're coaching and everyone you come in contact with is kind of talking about it. Um, I was up in, in, in Garments and they're in County Mead where they host the under-16 All-Irelands. I was coaching with my dad and there was parents there who I, who I hadn't seen since the final and they were just buzzing over the game yeah. and, and because they were at the game and I kind of <clears throat> stepped away from it for a while or hadn't thought about it and then next thing you were straight back into <laughs> those kind of thoughts and feelings. So... Um, it was an amazing day out and I, I think that's just another thing just the live sport and live action mm-hmm. does for those parents and kids that were there in the National Basketball Arena on that Saturday you know it'll certainly live long in the memory and they're, they're almost craving for when, when can we go again you know <laughs> but you must remember that as a kid as well like you know when you were watching basketball teams winning like the effect it had on you so that, that, that's now happening to the next generation of Bellancolic yeah yeah and I think what's more powerful is that we would have like Daniel who's assistant coach to the team we would have gone in like maybe as teenagers into the Marduk Arena and, and younger than that into Neptune and watched those American players and, and great demons and Neptune teams but I suppose the difference now is that there's lads in our club going well I know him he lives in Glendore Court he lives <laughs> yeah. in he lives in Rosewood he lives in Inniscarview he's in my estate and he's on the, yeah, the yeah, top yeah. team there's, there's a real kind of a colloquial community part of it now which is people can um it's registering with everyone, you know, and people can, um, I suppose there are people are inspired, which yeah. is great. That's a great, great thing to be able to say. It certainly is. What players do you remember watching growing up? Who, which players had the biggest impact on you? I remember um, Stadzer, as he's known as Stephen yeah. McCarthy from Neptune. He was a great player. And uh, that Neptune team, I suppose I was probably 13, 10 and 13. They won in 2000 and 2003. Kenny Gamble and Sharon Watson, Gordon Fitzgerald, that, that Neptune team was very strong. Mm. And then the Neptune teams in their own that guys I later played with Shane Call and Niall O'Reilly and Brian Clarnan uh, and, and, and the Marduk Arena with those demons the, the crowd that time and some unbelievable American players so that's kind of the players I would have grown up watching and got to play with some of them towards mm. the end of their career and, and, and were quite successful so but it's great for our own lads now to kind of see the Adrians and the Dylan Corkeries and obviously we had two very good professional players in John Dawson and Jose Jimenez this year so great for them to see you know yeah. our own guys doing it you know um, Take me back rewind a little bit to I suppose you being appointed head coach the conversation that went in there and how much thought you had to give to becoming the head coach of the club Yeah I suppose the, the, the big thing really was over the last six years five years taking out that, that Covid year that didn't happen for us which was a shame but I would have always taken the training sessions mm-hmm. so it was funny. We would have had a very much a GA model, which is which which is interesting for us. In that, Kieran, my uncle would have been 
the manager and I would have been the coach. So from a, a session planning point of view, I would have always been involved in that side of it. Kieran chose to step away last year after we had a, an amazing year, really first year Super League going 15 and 1. We lost out in the National Cup um, first round to Tralee mm. and then we lost in the in the league semi to Neptune, which was a shame, but it was a very good year overall. Uh, and Kieran stepped away, so I suppose it was um, it was a natural thing. Really, we're only in existence six years, so we've always kept it in house as such and, and done it by committee. Uh, Daniel's involved as well, so uh, there was there was a bit of thought we were trying to hang on to Kieran, but Kieran wasn't too far away either this yeah. year. Um, so I suppose it was I was going to be doing the sessions anyway, but the call was, would I just? coach would I just play would I do both would I need more support on the line and, and Daniel stepped up in that regard so yeah there was a bit of toing and froing kind of this time last year um, but once I started I kind of you know it was, it was like it was like I'd been doing it for a while you know <laughs> yeah I can remember interviewing Adrian here a couple of months back and he said look I asked him like, what's it like being managed by your brother and he says it's no different than being managed by any other coach which I suppose is a compliment to you yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's funny. I heard a few other coaches say this: that sometimes when you're a player, there's there's kind of no there's a line, but there's not a line. Mm. I think when there's a coach, there's a there's a line there, and you don't want to go overboard with anyone. So I think some of the lads would have commented this here that I would have been much more forceful and harder on them <laughs> when I was their, their teammate. Whereas yeah. when you're a coach, you kind of have to play that yeah. that line all the time. So. Um, yeah, so so that was that was interesting, but it was a great experience uh, to do it um, to do it this year with this group because there were so many kind of fascinating characters. But I suppose winning at the end then just 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 made it all worthwhile, yeah. you know. Um, when you're so close to a group of guys as well, is it hard to kind of take a step back and say, "Look, I am the coach now. Like what I say goes," kind of thing? Yeah, it can be. It can be, and and we would have an open door policy, and we had a lot of experienced players. Keelan Kearns played professionally Adrian played professionally with the two pros in Poe as well so we, we had guys that had been around and have good experience and had ideas and I suppose mm. when you have that open door guys are going to come to you with ideas all the time so it was kind of a case of right I like that I don't mm. like that and then you know that, that's that's one side of it the tactical strategy side of it and then the other side of it is the the more human side of it where there there's 12 15 of us training every every week there's 12 go on the, the game score sheet and then only 5 on at one time mm. so you're going to and then I'm playing as well so all that kind of mixed into one is, is difficult and leaving guys down and having those tough conversations but I guess by the end of the year there was just a trust there and the fact that we had been doing that all year where we were going right you play this game he's yeah. going to play more this guy played really well this week in training he's going to get rewarded for that and I think we were consistent with that so I think by the end guys were like well you know we kind of put it back on them and the onus is on them if they performed they were going to play mm. and I think that just drove drove the team on and we got to a level by the end that was that was worthy of winning the whole thing Yeah when you win I suppose it shows that the system works players trust the system they therefore trust you so it's simple enough Yeah yeah uh, it's, it's, it's hard work and in the initial part of it especially newer guys coming in you know the they, 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 they know better and oftentimes they do they, they have opinions they're, they're good basketball players for a reason but it's just trying to trying to iron those things out and to be, to be fair the guys were so good at just coming to training and working mm. there was conversations probably off the floor that were that were robust and tough at times but that's good that's, mm. that's, that's where you want to be that's where growth happens but once we ironed everything out we were we were forced by the end and I was actually disappointed that the season ended so we we won it <laughs> but I actually thought there was more in the group yeah, we were yeah, actually yeah. we were actually still rising and, and as the season was ending 
but it's it's so difficult because um, it, it's a playoff structure so you know we had lost seven games which for our group was a lot but we had a couple of injuries a couple of excuses mm-hmm. different things but it's just about getting it right at the right time because last year we didn't do that we we had an unbelievable regular season went 15-1 and won. we won our quarter final and then we lost the semi-final so it was just about trying to manage the lads throughout the year and then how can we peak yeah. at the right time so it's playoff basketball different than league basketball obviously yeah yeah it's very, it's very different that's a learning experience as well though you learn from last year and brought into this year massively massively and uh, and the lads kind of were aware at the time and they were kind of looking at me with two heads at different stages where I remember distinctly one we we lost the National Cup semi-final which was disappointing and the next few weeks I, I kind of spoke to Daniel my assistant coach and we had a conversation about right how do we get this group right mm-hmm. by the middle of March end of, end of March start of April to, to win this thing and said we, we kind of had to train harder even yeah. though it might might not have been the right thing to do to win the game on the weekend it was the right thing to do for two or three months down the line Kev Mulcahy our SNC coach strength and conditioning coach was excellent in kind of getting the team right as well during that period and I remember we played Tralee on a Saturday in BCS we lost on the buzzer but I kind of looked back through my notes during the week and we had gone really hard Tuesday Thursday um, and maybe if I taper back we might have won the mm-hmm. game but I think all those things add up where we were good at the end of the year and they're the kind of risk yeah. you have to take for the playoffs. It's not great losing there and then and, you know, we were close to the bone of, of of not making the playoffs but once we got in I felt we had as good a chance as anyone. Yeah. So I think that's the learning in it whereas last year, our first year up, it's your first year, you're just hungry every week. Let's try and bang, win, bang, win. Bang, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, no, so, yeah, you're right. Huge learning, huge yeah. learning. Uh, when you're a player coach, how do you decide like how many minutes you get as a player or is that something Daniel says we need you know or you need to come off now or how does it work? Yeah, I, I kind of, I mix it in the sense of the opposition and then I, 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 I really... I suppose tried to do different things this year so I started myself early in the year I put myself with different players just to see what would work and what wouldn't mm. more often than not if we were giving younger guys some minutes I, I would have played with them just to be yeah, on yeah. the floor and support for those guys um, but towards the end of the year I kind of pulled back a bit we kind of had an eight eight man rotation towards the end and I would be I would have been the eight man mm. I would have been last to go on just really see how the game is going and then my minutes kind of went on foul trouble if guys were, you know, in and out of games. And I just went in just, just to bring, just to be, I suppose, a presence and be solid. But it's it's very hard. There's no there's no exact science to it. It's just all feel, which I think the fact that I'm training three nights a week with the guys, I suppose they it's not it's not strange that they see me coming on and going, you know, they're well used to playing with me. Mm. So I suppose that was one of the benefits of Hanging in there, doing all the training, which I which I which I love doing. I love I love the training, but I suppose on game day it is a it is a massive challenge, you know. And mm. uh, it's certainly a challenge to the to the opposition coaches. They almost feel threatened. It's like <laughs> how's he playing and coaching? But that's that's. Uh, I make it look easy, kid. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's that, that's definitely the, the hardest part, you know. Yeah. But look, all coaches make mistakes. All players make mistakes, and that's that would been been my kind of mm. common common thought process with the players and, and chats to them and was like lads I'll make the same mistakes you will we'll just all try and but I, look I'm still I still feel I'm good enough to play and make an impact so and they all they all bought into that as well so it's um, yeah it's tough not easy but yeah. again we got over the line so it's okay <laughs> it all worked yeah it all, it all came out in the end um, 
at what point in the season did you think to yourself, right, this is a special team and what did something just click at a certain point in the season or was it more of a gradual build? We started really well at pre-season. I thought um, we had a really strong team and our first couple of games, we, we looked really good. Um, we had an early loss to Neptune um, who, who we thought were going to be right there for the for the title as well. And as it went along, we, we just had real ups and downs. There was a couple of moments. One was Jose Jimenez went down. You know, he was probably our best player. Him and John were the two best players on the team. He went down, missed, missed two games. And we beat Neptune without him. And that really, that really struck mm. with me as saying, OK, we, we have depth here now. We can survive without, without a key player. That's really good going into the mm. playoffs. Um, and then I suppose we had, we had a tough Christmas we had three players lose grandparents. It was it was mad. Mm. Um, COVID, you know, sickness, a couple of injuries. We weren't. We were nowhere near our best. I suppose going into that cup semi final game against Anna, and we didn't do the business. So we 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 nearly hit rock bottom. We were really struggling. Um, we had a couple of tough league games. We managed to win them, and then that Tralee game was the real kind of moment where we we had lost, and we kind of said, lads, unless we kind of fix it here. This this could end this could end badly yeah. as in we won't make the playoffs, and then the the performance started to get better, the trainings were better, but it didn't it it didn't end in the sense of or it didn't start because we Adrian got injured, uh, and John picked up a knock. Dylan got injured in that cup semi final. So although I felt we were getting better, the performances the, the wins and mm. losses weren't going weren't moving. We weren't picking up wins because. We just had injuries, so I just felt if we could keep the trainings going the way they were, and then clean up the injuries, mm-hmm. come the playoffs, we'll be, we'll be right there, and that's kind of what happened. It was a gradual thing yeah. then since January, I suppose. Um, you know, and as I said, disappointed that it finished so early. I, I just felt we were we, we were we were going to keep rising. Yeah. That's Kieran O'Sullivan there of Emporium Cork Basketball. Really, really interesting conversation with him. We will play the second part of that chat tomorrow, so be sure and tune back in for that. Thanks a million to, to Kieran for popping out to me in Cork. Should have him earlier on this week for his time. And uh, again, congratulations on an incredible, an incredible season. All right, uh, coming up to full time at Turner's Cross, Cork City, uh, trading Bohemians by three goals to one. Uh, that game uh, at the Cross, so uh, yeah, it's going to be defeat there for Cork City, unfortunately, in the uh, Ulster Senior Football Championship. And uh, Derry and Monaghan going head to head, and full time whistle has just gone there. And it is Derry, the reigning Ulster champions, who will defend their, get a chance to defend their title. They have won one twenty one to two ten was how that finished today in Oma. Well, just before we wrap up, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, playing back some clips from our Hear Me Roar series. We recently wrapped that up. Um, Valerie McCahey, Cork legend, 10 time All Ireland winner, 6 time All Star. She interviewed six inspiring sportswomen from Cork or who had a, a special connection uh, with Cork. Uh, the project was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Uh, we put them all online. Go to redfm.ie, hear me roar, some incredible guests. Uh, we had Lisa McGuire, Snida Puspure, Claire Shine. Um, we also had Nikki Daly and we had Louise Shanahan and one of my favourite episodes was definitely the chat with 18 time All-Ireland winner Bridge Corkery Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee We all know Bridge as a fearless warrior on the pitch an inspirational leader who was phased by nothing Off the field though 
Breed admits she's quite different from her sporting persona. I suppose like I'm a very different person off the pitch. Like, you know, I, I would be very self-conscious as a person. Like, I always know what I want. Like, I know what makes me happy and stuff like that. But I'd be a very self-conscious person. Um, you know, and sometimes I suppose... Jeez, I don't know what to say for this, actually, to be honest. Like, does that make Is there sense? Anything, like, yeah, you, you I, seem to have a great attitude. And it's just like, yep, it's what... You kind of have the mentality of what's for you won't pass you or it'll be grand there was a reason for that yeah I, yeah that w- I suppose uh, challenges I suppose would be that I'd have to be very comfortable in what I'm doing okay yeah uh, and that and playing football in Camogie is when I was at probably my most comfortable yeah that's where I like a resi- that's where I'd be very resilient and stuff like that and you know I suppose um I'd be very, you know, I suppose in work at the moment, no, I suppose I'm very, um, I just wouldn't be hugely that comfortable in it. So I find it really difficult. So, you know, when you uh, put yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. You're challenged. I'm very and much challenged. do you challenged. do that much? Uh, well, I work in the office one of the lads, I'd say, he'd be like, would you just stop asking me questions? But I, I'd be just always afraid of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing and... But that's because I'm just not comfortable at what I'm yeah. doing, you know. Um, so I and I again, I suppose I'd be just that comes back to the punditry thing there now as yeah. well, where like if I don't know exactly what's going on, I, I'd be very much out of my comfort zone, or yeah. I, I'd be very poor to challenge someone, right, about something like you know, unless I was really comfortable about what I was talking about. Yeah, but do you, would you would it prevent you going for things? Oh, definitely, yeah. I, well, I might try it, but I, I probably wouldn't last very long like either. Do you know? Yeah, like I'm not as resilient off the pitch as I would be on the pitch. Like, it's just kind of a... I don't know what it is. I suppose uh, I would never kind of... I'd always prefer to be in the back room doing stuff yeah. rather than, you know, being out, being out front. I'd prefer to just do something without anyone knowing or... Yeah. You know, I suppose now that I'm finished, I'm, I'd be happy to... I'm happy not to be known as Breach Carkery. Does that make sense? Like the footballer, I'm yeah. just, for me, I'm just Breach yeah. and life is moving on and that's that chapter of my life. And Do you ever get called something different? Because I've been called Breach Carkery. <laughs> I've been called Breach Stack. I've been called <laughs> Maddie Fairs names. Um, do you ever get mistaken for Maddie? Oh, myself and Rena always have a laugh off this. I'd be called Rena Lodes. And then I, I like... Uh, then I'd be called Breed Stack. I'd be like, "Jeez, this is great, lads." <laughs> Were you ever called me? Um, or is it more wh- the opposite way? Did I text you there about a year ago to say that someone called me you? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So. It's nearly always Rena. Yeah. Um, and like I'd say, me and Rena couldn't look anyway. Like, like yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're always mixed up. And Rena was only telling me the other day that she was down somewhere, and they were like, um, at, at some, I don't know, she had a medal presentation or something. They were like, "How are the cows going?" And she was like, um, "Yeah, not too bad." <laughs> the ones I'm looking at. And then she was like, "Oh, they think I'm breach." Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah so. I think getting mixed up and it's mad with your household names, but maybe they're they just don't recognise the face or just that confusion with maybe 18 all Ireland's I mean yeah but do you know what it wouldn't really insult me because like you know I'd meet I'd meet 
people there and they could be really famous and I wouldn't know them either. Yeah. Like, or I'd be like, oh God, I know that's a face there now from somewhere. Do you know, I, you do hear it and you just see the pictures and so I, I don't get insulted by it or it doesn't do bother me. Do you think that it's a reflection of all that you've done and being a household name and having won the most All-Irelands with Rena, and that people don't actually know who you are? Like, would they recognise their the male counterparts if they had eighteen dollars? Um, sure, I suppose they would, but like, it, like, and this comes back to like you know, that kind of doesn't really bother me. Like, like, Does it, it doesn't bother you that that you're nearly lesser because you're female. Does that or does that resonate with you at all? Do you think that it's but I suppose that if it, it was a male that you'd be recognised yeah. so because you're female? You don't get that same recognition. Is there any part of you that thinks that's not really acceptable? Um, honestly, myself, I that doesn't even enter my head. Um, I just think it's kind of like, do you remember when we played and we'd be, you know, we wouldn't have the facilities like the men get, but it never bothered, like it never bothered me, you know. Uh, and I just think... If I can just give back to Liz Football and Camogie like they gave to me, that we can continue to bring up the standards, continue to push girls to, you know, play well. And, you know, I think I think things are definitely getting better, you know, yeah. and um, people are de- definitely recognising ladies' sports more now. And I, I just think as past players, like, we need to keep pushing it. We need to keep... So your way of doing that is through medal presentations, yeah. meeting young people, doing the trainings uh, as guests, yeah. as a guest. Yeah, like, and I don't like doing them. Um, I, you know, as in, not that I, like, you know, as in, it's it's another it's Friday night, it's yeah. another Saturday night, like, um, it's, it could be a whole weekend, you could be way up the country. Yeah. You know, I know Breed Stack was up in Sligo during the weekend, um, giving out medals, and I was in Belfast before Christmas. But that's our job, like as as sports people. That's we need to give back and we need to keep going and keep that's inspiring. yeah, yeah. And like I, it never bothered me. Uh, I, I, I suppose in my personality, I, you know, through my work and stuff like that, they were like, "Oh, is this British cracker the footballer?" And I'm like, oh, "What do I say here?" No, no it's and the footballer, uh, I could bug you. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's a long time ago. No, that's old news." Yeah. Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy is funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Such a brilliant series if I do say so myself. Go to lfm.ie forward slash Hear Me Roar to hear every episode of that absolutely brilliant stuff. In that episode with Breach Cork we had to split into three episodes because we couldn't fit into one. It's absolutely brilliant. We're out of time. Thanks very much for joining us on The Big Red Bench. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening folks. Stevie's up next. We're back tomorrow at 6. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM